Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Full time. Hello, welcome to 1874 Full Time. I'm your host, Dan Bardell, joined by the Athletics' Jacob Tanswell to talk about Aston Villa 6, Brighton and Hove Albion 1, the score we all predicted before the game took place. Just a brief note that I'm ill and hungover, so I've, I've got Jacob in basically to carry me because I feel like he may be a bit more coherent from from yesterday's game. Jacob, how are you? <clears throat> Doing really well, thank you. Yeah, I'm better than you, uh, I, th- yeah. I think. I had, a, I had a quieter Saturday night just writing about, about the win. Um, but yeah, really good. I think always on a Sunday after a result like that, you just have a bit more of a spring in the step, don't you? No, no not me. <laughs> not <laughs> me. Today, maybe not, not you. <laughs> not today. I read your piece about an hour ago because I haven't been able to even look at my phone barely through the day. I felt felt so bad. Really enjoyable read. You explain things so well. As I say, you'll be able to definitely do it more coherently than me. But what was it yesterday that that Villa did? I've I've read your piece. As I said, I don't want you to completely give away your piece because obviously you, you want people to read it. But to me, it felt a little bit like Villa for kind of 10, 15 minutes, let Brighton have the ball kind of lulled them into a little bit of a false sense of security and then just went bang, right, we're, we're coming for you. And you've explained it much better than that in in your pace, but am I along the right lines? Yeah, you are. I think there was a moment early on where Pau Torres got the ball and he, and he was twisting and turning. I think Evan Ferguson was trying to press him and he didn't have any options available. And then I think the ball went out of play and I think Lewis Dunk kicked out in the end and Pau Torres just looked up. He wasn't sure what, what happened. Uh, but it all came back down to Brighton's man marking systems and that was inside the first 10 minutes and Villa was still trying to get to grips with it but Emery said something really interesting in his Friday press conference whenever he gets asked about the opposition manager he says you know 
tough, you know, going to be a tough game, good manager. But he went into detail on Deserby, you know, quite good tactical detail. He said he watches them a lot. He wants to learn from them. But he says their best strength was breaking the press. And I, I noted that. I, I saw the transcript and I thought, right, let's see how, what he does the, the 24 hours later. And after that Paul Torres incident where he couldn't, you know, couldn't play out from the back, Villa completely transformed in a way they went certain more direct you know Emmy Martinez was taking free kicks goal kicks went direct and basically Unai Emery identified 1v match 1v1 matchups that he thought were conducive so he really wanted DRB against Webster and Watkins against Dunk or you know swapping around and the way they did that is through bypassing Brian's man marking system out from the back, going much longer. Uh, Zaniolo or, or McGinn winning the first and second balls and and really attacking the channels. And as soon as they win the ball on transition, when Brighton have lost it, they go forward and use the pace and, and ruthlessness off the front too. Uh, I think Villa made more fouls in the first hour of a game than they have in two years. They're really combative. They won second balls. They, they, it was basically quite an old school performance, but Zerbi and Brighton had, had no answers for it. Yeah, Villa are a very good team in transition, very dangerous mm. on the counter-attack, as we as we saw yesterday. A couple of the goals really came fr- from that. But the thing that interested me quite a lot was that when Brighton were taking goal kicks, Douglas Louise pushed right up with Zaniolo, Diaby and, and Watkins. Mm. Yeah, I still felt like Villa had a, a good element of control if that press had been beaten because it was... McGinn had come a little bit more central. There was Kamara still there. And then Pau Torres was pushing up quite high. So he, in the first half in particular, mm. he literally followed Danny Welbeck deep every single time. And I thought that was a, a bit strange at the time because mm. obviously Pau Torres, the one thing that we've, we've noticed is if the ball gets played over the top, his recovery pace isn't perhaps as good as Conser's, let's mm. say. But he literally would push right up alongside into midfield and kind of fill the gap where Louise had pushed right up. I thought I thought that was really interesting. I'm not sure how, how much that played a part in Villa gaining control and Villa winning the game, but it was it was very, very aggressive, which hmm. isn't perhaps the way that a lot of teams will choose to go up against Brighton and play that way. No, Emery he basically turned the tables and deserved it. He went man-to-man. And I think one of the positives about Paul Torres pushing up that far is he can squeeze up. He's good at getting tight. But also, if the ball does go, go in behind, he can give away those little cheeky fouls. And because he's so high, he probably won't get punished. And I think, I've noticed it in the uh, Hibs game. Paul Torres would just leave a little bit on the strike if they were trying to spin in behind. He's quite clever, quite subtle at making those you know little knocks, little challenges off the ball. And the good thing was that you had Concer, who's obviously much quicker, was behind him so he could sweep up anyway. Uh, I think what was interesting as well is that Emery adapted midway through that first half because if you saw Brighton v Man United, Man United had real good success early pressing Brighton. What De Zerbi did was he moved his two centre-backs wider so basically they had more ground to cover to press the, the two strikers. Uh, Ten Hag on that day couldn't really adapt. Emery did. He got Diaby and took Watkins to, to, to lock on to get to, you push Douglas Luiz up, you push Pau Torres up and all of a sudden you condense the space for Brighton to try and play up from deep. They have to go long as well. And if they're going to go long, you probably fancy concert over folks and the world back. So I thought it was really clever. He thought on his feet fantastically, you and I, Emory. And in a, in a game where two highly rated coaches are so good tactically, I think you and I, Emory, really, really enjoyed that. Yeah, and the, f- the first goal actually came from quite intricate passing from Villa. McGinn had, I mean, McGinn obviously he's playing fr- from the right, but actually if you look at that goal, he actually starts that move very, very central, manages mm. to pick up a kind of a clever position bet- between the lines, then plays a lovely little ball through to Matty Cash, who, who squares it to Ollie Watkins, who finishes with with his left mm. foot. But that was a that was a really well-worked goal, not a nice passing move from Villa. And again, 
another mm-hmm. Emery goal that's kind of a, a cut back the ball, a ball across the goal. So many goals from Villa have been scored like that. I think I wrote about it or mentioned it in the piece. I think it was the first time really where Villa actually broke the Brighton's press through play out from the back. I think it all started with concert. He stepped into midfield, didn't he? Played like a lovely through ball into Diaby and they kept the ball for 10 more uh, ten more passes and then all of a sudden McGinn turned the switch, got into between the lines and yeah, that lovely, lovely through ball to cash to square. And I don't know if it's just me noticing it, but when you see those type of goals, Emery seems to celebrate them a lot more. It's like it, yeah, it's an he, he, he loves it, you know. There's some there's certain goals, you know, a deflection goal or you know a counter attack towards the end of a game where you know Emery's you know celebrating. But there's certain get, uh, goals like the one against Burnley away where Emery really really enjoys it. And yeah, that was perfect pattern of play. Something that you know is worked on routinely at, at Bodymore. Yeah, and it reminded me a little bit of start. Well, it started to remind me a little bit of the Newcastle game last season, where mm. it was, that was really a statement performance from Villa last season. And yesterday felt very much like this season's version of that, where we're letting everybody know we're going to be a big part of the, of the Premier League this season. Mm. And Watkins, you know, he's already scored last week against Chelsea. We know when he scores in one game, he'll most likely <laughs> score in the next. And he caused them so many problems, kind of coming in from that left left hand side. And again, Villa's press kind of. They kind of beat. They pressed Brighton, forced them into a into a mistake. And actually, at the time, I felt like Watkins had maybe made the, made the wrong decision and done a little bit too much, held onto the ball for for a little bit too long. It was actually a really really good finish into the near post. And another thing I noticed in that passage of play, and what I noticed this watching it back to today, is that I felt like we were so good that Lewis Dunk, who's usually quite a composed defender for Brighton. He was trying to fill like every gap. He was he was almost yeah. doing too much, Lewis Dunk, but it was because Villa were forcing him to, to do too much, which led to Brighton being a little bit all, all over the place because he was getting himself pulled into positions that he really didn't need to go to. I didn't think for that second goal, I yeah. didn't think he, he needed to come across as far. I think he'd have been better off staying where he was and leaving it to the defenders around him. But he kind of tried to take responsibility. And I actually think that cost Brighton yeah. and, it, and, and it cost him. So it's, a, it's another goal, perhaps slightly fortunate. Zaniolo didn't get called up. Offside, I haven't seen it back at a, a decent angle, to be honest, to, to know whether he did interfere with, with, with Steele. But you know, Steele's got quite close to it, to, mm. to, to be fair. It's not like he's completely blindsided by Zaniolo being there. But are we, are we a little bit fortunate with that, do you think? I think you've probably seen them given in terms of you've given yeah. offside, haven't you? I think Zaniolo, you know, he's, he's in the way. But what was really impressive in, in that 12 minute spell where they scored those three goals is Brighton are always so economical. They never look like they're out of sync. They never look really ruffled, do they? They just, everything seems like it's going to plan. But yet they look so disturbed by everything, really. Every time Villa got into their final third, even to their half, they were at sixes and sevens. And one of the reasons was because of DRB and Watkins in, in that little channel between centre back and full back where, you know, you're testing Duncan Webster, who are fantastic defenders. But 1v1, especially out wide, they haven't got the pace, you know, to, to yeah. compete with these guys. I don't want to be out wide. No. And, and Deserby kind of addressed it at half-time, didn't he? He put on Tariq Lamptey, who's obviously probably the quickest defender they've got, at left-back, just to stop the, the runs, inside runs of the RB, because obviously he contributed to the third goal, the own goal. Um, so he, they just continue to keep catching Brighton on transition. The two full-backs of Brighton, obviously, are supposed to be nice and high, you know, keeping the ball, moving it. But Villa was so aggressive, they won the ball back. And it was it was like the Red Arrows, wasn't it? The, the front two. And then obviously the number 10s, go centrally so it's, the, the movement was fantastic and they continued to keep catching Brian on transition and that's why Lewis Dunk like you said struggled yeah but just Villa just looked so so dangerous in, in that first half and got the third again pretty close to mm. to, when, to when they got got the second it was an own goal from Stupinian. Now this was the one that I did I did I did think Louise fouled 
Solly March, if I'm being honest. But I th- from what I've heard, it was too far back to to, to call mm-hmm. it. I, I did. I think the ref probably let that go just because he wasn't a hundred percent sure. And then it mm-hmm. actually progressed too far for them to go back and have a look at it. I think he was hoping that they might go back and maybe check whether that that, that was a foul, but that, but they couldn't do it. But again, a stooping and scoring that own goal, it was shots in, like bodies all over the place. The shots just just kept coming. And again, a player who's been a, a really good player in the Premier League since, since since he's gone to Brighton, he looked massively ruffled by by what was going on, and he makes a mistake and puts the ball into 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 his own net. But at this point, Diaby and Watkins were just causing absolute chaos for Brighton. How many shots? I think it was like a ping pong in their box yeah. at the time. It was like shots. You know, Dunk was throwing his body on the line. Webster was in you know, uh, uh, as well was coming in. You, all of a sudden, you look at Brighton's midfield and you think, oh, it's nice and technical. You know, they're going to keep the ball. And they just looked completely lightweight, didn't they? You had Kamara. Yeah, they was, really did. Kamara was dropping in centre half when, when they had the ball. Without the ball, he was getting nice and aggressive. Luis was bullying uh, Billy Gilmore. Everything just looked really, really wild, a real, really aggressive. I think you know, you saw Matty Cash. He made one slide tackle. He made a you know huge roar to the crowd. They looked really up for it. And he had a good day against Matoma. Yeah. So I was worried about that. Yeah, I think it was a little spout at the start of the second half where I thought mm, Matoma might be getting on top, but Cash you know battled really, really well back. And one thing I was quite excited before the game was I thought Villa would be tested tactically, and they probably have to go up more levels than they haven't been this season because although they were sick at the start of the day, I don't think they really had hit hit their full full stride. But yeah. Yesterday just seemed to bring everything out of them and, and inspire them to be the you know, energetic, combative, and and play in front of obviously Villa Park with with their perfect home record. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I don't think we've seen the best of Villa until mm. this game, probably this season. We've been we've been good, and I think our start had gone under the radar, possibly because we'd lost two games by quite yeah. a, quite a wide deficit. But we you know we were two in a row going into this game. One four from six. And that's, a, that's a really good start to a Premier League season, mm-hmm. especially when you look at some of the starts from the other teams and teams you probably expect to finish ahead of Villa as well. I think the start was massively going under the radar. I mean, we won't be under the radar anymore after after taking Brighton apart because everyone knows how good Brighton are. And they, they rung the changes at half-time Brighton. Obviously, shell-shocked Deserby was hoping for a reaction. And in fairness, he did get a reaction. And I will yeah. say, when they got it back to 3-1, I was like, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, did. I, I never feel so. I, arguably, I feel less safe at 3-0 than I do at 0-0 for, for some reason. I don't know what it is with being a, being a football fan and being a Villa fan. But at 3-0, I was, I was a little part of me that was thinking, this isn't done. And then they scored. And I was, and then I felt like they were on top for, for a while after, yeah. they, after they scored. That guy, it was a bit of a, a, a messy goal, a little bit fortunate for Brighton in some way. But they did, they did come out a different outfit at the start of that second half. But when he got to 3-1, Villa did a, did a good job of, of stifling them. They sat deep a little bit when, when they needed yeah. to, plugged the gaps, didn't leave much space in behind, were, were very compact. And then again, you know, just what they wanted to do, hit them on the break. And mm-hmm. they were so scared of Watkins but, but by, by this point. I mean, I'm losing track of the, the, the goals here. I think McGinn played the ball over the top to him. Mm-hmm. Did a lovely little clips pass for, from John McGinn. I think some of his passing yesterday was, was really, really good. I didn't... I didn't think he was having a great half in the in the first half, but I thought he took some real onus and responsibility in, in in the second. And he puts that lovely pass to Watkins, and that's the it, it makes me laugh. I'm not just saying this because he scored a hat trick yesterday. But there's genuinely so many people out there that think Villa can go and buy a striker that is better than Ollie Watkins. It is not possible. He's such a good striker. He offers you so much. Forget the goals yesterday. Just his all round game, his pressing, his directness. He caused Brighton so many problems. And they were so scared of him. They backed off, backed off for that for that second goal. But this is what he can do. Well, he can. He's right foot. He scores headers. He scores goals with his left foot as well. He can. He can finish with his left as well. I know it's taken a, a pretty hefty de- deflection, but he was hitting the target with with that shot. And he's 
he's got a hat trick and he's you know and suddenly his goal record this season looks excellent. Yeah, you're right. I, I remember speaking to John McGinn uh, about four weeks ago, and he said, "Ollie's not scoring, but I tell you what, he's creating space for us." I know that's quite a cliche thing, but he makes these runs that a lot of people not might not see into the channels. You know, coming to feet, knowing that he not, might not get the ball, but he might go over the top to the He's he's always doing something for the team, and Emery says it all the time. Whenever he's asked about Watkins, he says, "Okay, goals are great. He wants to score, but even if he didn't score for three or four games, he wouldn't." wouldn't mind Emery in the slightest because he knows what he contributes. And you think if, okay, let's say they wanted to buy another striker, 70 million, uh, how long will that take for them to become accustomed to Emery's methods and manage to perform the, the wide range and remit that Watkins does, you know, in terms of his pressing, in terms of coming deep, spinning in behind, everything. Uh, it'll be so difficult. And, you know, I've never really had a concern about Watkins. I think maybe you could, give, you could give Duran, you know, a few more minutes every now and then, you know, t- maybe half an hour in games, uh, maybe partner him with, with Watkins. But yeah, Watkins is the, is, is the main guy. He always will be the main guy. Uh, and I think he's just, I think the relationship also, he's formed with DRB so quickly into the season. I think it's only going to go strength to strength. Do you think, obviously, that Southgate was in, in the crowd w- w- watching the game? I saw someone joke yesterday, Southgate was in the crowd, so fully expecting to see Danny Welbeck in the, in, in the next <laughs> England squad. Do you think that game would have made Southgate sit up and take notice? I suppose, really, he can't fail to. There's not much more he can do, is there? No, he said that uh, afterwards as well. Because he said, what more can I do? I, you know, it's up to Gareth Southgate. But also... I keep I keep pushing it, but Ezra Contra as well had, a, had another really good game. Played every single minute. Only Villa player too. Uh, if he's not in a squad either, you've got to start questioning that as well. I think I, I like to think that Gareth Southgate was was at Villa Park to watch Villa's players, not Danny Welbeck. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting. But I, I, you look at Watkins. You think he's probably the best alternative to Harry Kane right now. Yeah, I think I like Ivan Tony. Obviously, he can't play. Yeah. I really like Ivan Tony. I think he offers you. A lot of the similar stuff to, to to what Kane Kane offers in terms of his, his link up play. So I think it's it's quite close between him and Watkins. I would say the fact that Enketia was called up over him for the for the last squad, no good. Not, not I'm I'm a quite a big Southgate fan for my, for my sins. I'll probably get panned for that. But I actually really like Gareth Southgate, but I disagree with that that decision completely. Not just because I'm because I'm a Villa fan, because I just think Ollie Watkins has done it over over a longer period in the Premier League and mm. no English player has more goal contributions in the in in the Premier League that's currently playing in the Premier League over over the last three years. Now Harry Kane's done so, gone. So there's much more he can do really is there. No, there there isn't. You know, you look at Callum Wilson, who's obviously an alternative, but yeah, Wilson's good. Is, yeah, but his injury record as well. He you know he struggles to train, doesn't he? He has to be managed correctly. Um, he doesn't always start games. He's he's obviously a really good finisher, but I don't know if he's got the overall package of Watkins. And what surprised me, I thought Watkins would be the type of player that Southgate likes. You know, a guy that runs a lot, good attitude, links with you know a rotational front three as well, can play off the sides. Um, so it's it's interesting that he's he's not on the squad. Obviously, you're more of a Gareth Southgate fan than I am. I I I used to think he was he was quite good. I think he's become a little bit too top six, top seven centric in in recent times. Um, but yeah, hopefully I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. And I like to think that in the international break coming up, that Watkins and I really hope Conter as well uh, get included. Yeah, that, there's an international break it's a couple of weeks away now, 14th of October yeah. weekend. I think the, straight after Wolves. Yeah. So you know. He, 
a good time to, to to have that hat trick in front in front of Gareth Southgate, and another good time for Conster to to have a good performance. And then I feel like at the fifth, Jacob Ramsey had, had come on for for Zaniolo, but I really st- I don't think he's playing his best football, Zaniolo. But there's something about him that I really really like. And mm. I noticed yesterday for the first time, he's deceptively quick. There was a, <laughs> there was a break at one point where he was keeping up with the, with the RB and Watkins, and that. That, that surprised me. He's actually got a bit of pace about him. He, he's kind of almost trying too hard. I think Zaniolo at the moment, yeah. he just needs a goal or an assist or something. And once he gets that, he's really going to gonna take off. But Ramsey's back now and Ramsey's a, a critical player for Villa. And he scores that goal, just just shows what he's all about, really. That's that's what I'd describe as a, a typical Ramsey goal, cutting in and curling one in the corner. I think Zaniolo is just like this thoroughbred racehorse. I think he just needs to get yeah. into get into it. The way he runs as well, he's, you know, he's got this long stride. He's, he's a big guy. He's always trying to do something on the ball, isn't he? Sometimes he loses it, but he's always trying, trying to take risks. And one thing that I found quite interesting last week at Stamford Bridge is that Emery decided to, to stick with him or to, or to start him from the off. And I thought he might have gone for a bit of a more of a defensively sound option, but it shows that he trusts Zaniolo in that in that role. He knows what his duties, he knows what to do in and out of possession. Uh, and I, I do think he's, he's a really good option to have. Maybe you don't always start him, Jacob Ramsey's coming back, but I do think he's got that game-changing capabilities in, in him. Jacob Ramsey, I've... I spent too many, too much time watching a lot of his games back from last season, and I just think he's his his intelligence, you know, in his positional understanding and spatial awareness. I think is, is exceptional. I think he the small details in what he does, you know, getting into the half pockets, the goal he scored yesterday. You know, it, it, technically, he's outstanding, and I, I do think there's so many more levels to get to, and it's going to be so exciting if he can get into you know full fitness under Emery work with the likes of Diaby up top, I, I think, you know, sky's the limit for him. And with Zaniolo pushing him, I think it's unbelievable options to have in those number 10 mm. positions. Yeah, he's very diligent defensively as well. Ramsey, yeah. People talk about McGinn's defensive side playing in that position, but actually Ramsey's equally as good, mm. in, in my opinion. He he does some really intelligent defending and just he's good at following instructions. I think if a manager tells him to do something, he's very good at replicating that on the, on, on the pitch track of Ramsey for someone so long. So the fact that Villa have had this start to the season, you know, without... Ramsey, who is yeah. one of their key players, I would have said he's one of Villa's most important players. That, mm-hmm. that makes the start even more impressive. Obviously, no Moreno, no Mings, no Buende. So Villa have Villa have had this start without some without some really 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 good players, and they they finished it off with with, with the sixth. Watkins perhaps sh- should have scored, but when it's your day, <laughs> it, it's your day. Even when he doesn't score, it falls back to Douglas Luiz, and he he rolls it into into the back of the net, and it, Watkins still gets an assist. In fantasy football as well, I had an excellent day in fantasy football yesterday because I had Watkins, Diaby, and Cash. So that was what? brilliant as well. I learnt my lesson because I put Watkins on my bench last week at Chelsea, and I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll never doubt Ollie Watkins again. He came straight back into my team, uh, and you know, bagged a nice, handy twenty-three points, didn't he? Really but did. yeah, what was it, Douglas Luiz? What is it? Five games, home games now. He scored him something like that in a row. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah, scoring was... a lot of goals. I know he took penalties and, and set pieces, but you know he rolled one. He was forward and rolled one into the net for that for that mm. sixth yesterday. He's you know he is almost don't talk about him because he's just accepted no. now that he's just so so good. But he, you know, you look at some of the the, the midfielders teams have got in the in the Premier League. Douglas Luiz is he's right up there in my opinion now. He's he's a throwback, isn't he? Because you don't you know we we're very quick to say what is what type of midfielder is is a player? Is he a number six, a number eight, a number ten? Luis does it all, doesn't he? Mm. He can get into that double pivot. He can receive off the centre back. He can break the lines going forward as well. You know, you saw it last week at Chelsea. Some of the things he was doing, you know, twisting and turning in, in the pockets and tight 
at pressure it requires so much technical ability and, and you know so much composure as well and you know I've, i watched emery at stanford bridge very close i was only about four rows uh Ahead, ahead of him and he was shouting to Douglas Lewis all the time it was I felt quite sorry for Lewis like he was telling him to cover so much ground he was telling him obviously to get the ball to, to be calm to link the play you know what he's got to do in that Villa team is just so important and yet he does it every week and you know you're right if it's Villa unless it's Villa fans he doesn't really get the plaudits he deserves to be looked at as one of the, you know, the top top centre, centre midfielders in, in the Premier League but I think that's good he goes under the radar um Obviously, opposition clubs know know him and Kamara. I know Liverpool, you know, like the like the two. But you know, having those two in in midfield, so young, so dynamic, you know, fit, you know, mostly fit, can play week in week out without really any changeability. I think it's you know fantastic, and and they are the engine room, aren't they? Yeah, Villa have just got so many good players. I don't remember many times in my life where I've sat here, well, obviously, you know, I started doing this when Villa in the Championship, so at the, at the time, I wasn't sat here thinking Villa had loads of good players, but in my lifetime, I can't remember, and I've had I've had a season to give for 30 years now, so I've watched a, watched a lot of football at Villa Park. This team's just so good. As a mm. team, they're very good, but they've just got some really, really talented in, individuals as well. I was thinking about this yesterday with Diaby. It's weird to say that someone who cost around £50 million was a bargain. But actually, when I think of the, those type of players in the Premier League and you know some of the players that Manchester United and Chelsea have, have brought in to play those kind of positions and spent more on than Diaby, Villa have picked someone out there who's just adapted to the Premier League straight away. You know, Anthony for Man U's cost not far off off double. I know I'd rather have him on my team. Yeah, I've got a piece coming out hopefully this week on on Musa Diaby and basically how Emery's repackaged him. I think a lot of the re- one of the reasons why a lot of the top six clubs didn't well weren't quite sure about Musa Diaby is they they saw him as a similar player to Nicolas Pepe to an anti in terms of a right winger, you know, pre- quite left footed, quite predictable. But yeah, all of a sudden he comes into Emery's system at Villa, bang straight into preseason, plays as this hybrid number 10 striker with with Watkins gets into much more threatening positions uses ball carrying skills and all of a sudden it goes from this you know predictable winger to being this really incisive center forward who can get you a lot of goals uh, so all, straight away within the first couple of weeks his, his market value's gone gone up exponentially uh, i think what he's done uh, in the last couple of weeks in terms of emery Fit, adapting some aspects of Villa to help Diaby in terms of sometimes going a bit longer using his pace. Uh, I think it's really, really clever. And you know, if this is Diaby now settling in, then it, it bodes very, very well for, for the next couple of months. Yeah, let's just look ahead to, to Villa's next five games. I, I did say before this run of games that it was uh, I, I felt like it was going to be a decent run of fixtures for Villa. I'm not sure Jacob just disappeared, actually. I'm not sure what's happened. It could be me on my own to end the show. It'll let you... Are we still there? Right, I can't see. I can't see Jacobs. That's good. So yeah, Villa's next five fixtures. Obviously, Europe on Thursday, Wolves on Sunday, West Ham after the international break, and then AZ, Altmar and Luton to finish Villa's next five. So again, I'm looking at them games and thinking there's a decent chance of of some points here. I think Villa have got a great run of run of fixtures. It'd be interesting to see what kind of side gets put out on Thursday in Europe and then travelling to a ground on Sunday where Villa don't stereotypically do brilliantly. And of course. Dave won the game at the weekend. A big win from them against Manchester City. So they'll have their tails up now. Wolves. So that'll be it'll be a tough exercise, but be interesting to see what what Villa turns up because you know there is some again a good chance of of points here. 
There is. I think, first of all, they need to make sure that they get the their midweek hoodoo sorted out. Yes, that does need to make sure. <laughs> it's like the, the, the drop-off between weekends and, and weekday football has been quite stark in the couple of, last couple of uh, weeks. Um, so they need to make sure they go yeah, they go quite strong. They need to start well. Uh, hopefully they can then ease off in, in the second half on, on Thursday and then they can look forward, uh, get the job done, then they look forward to obviously Molyneux. I think Molyneux, it's a place where I think it's, it's difficult for certain sides. I know May United have had a real bad, quite a bad record there. I think you know, so I know Slamton have for a fact. You know, Bournemouth have as well. Uh, obviously, Villa had a you know pretty poor day out last last season as well. Uh, I think it's one of those games where Emery needs to make sure that he starts on the front foot. And Gary O'Neill, who is capable of beating the, the top six or beating the, beating the better players, because he dropped, he sits quite deep, and then sort uh, then takes advantage on the counter that Miller are aware of that and their high line make sure it's, it's sorted out and yeah there's no trouble next week yeah a few people in the chat saying like Wolves West Ham their teams that Villa haven't had a great record against mm. over, uh, over the last few years but I guess Wolves did do us a favour on uh, on Saturday by beating Manchester City that's good for Villa's title charge isn't it Jacob <laughs> Oh, 100%. I think I was delighted there with Wolves. I think it's a massive step for Villa winning the title, yeah. Yeah, it's going to really, 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 really help us right up there. We did have a league table to show, but something's happened to it. It's corrupted, so it's not going to come up anymore. I can't actually remember where we are in the league, if anyone anyone wants to tell me. But I know we were third after our game, but I think we may have moved down to fifth or sixth now. Jacob, do you know where we yeah. are in the league? I think it's I think it's fifth now, yeah. Dropped out of the Champions League places. or you know, I know, it might know. not be. Fifth could still be. No, it might not be, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's not doing too well for our for our title hopes, is it? No, it was a shame to drop, to drop down, but just yeah. an amazing start to, to, to the season, an amazing game yeah. yesterday as well. That Newcastle game from last season, I do always look at that as being one of my, my favourite games. I, th- I think because I've been hanging, I've not quite worked out whether uh, <laughs> whether this Brighton game was better than that Newcastle game yesterday. I'm not. I'm. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure which one ranks on. Top. When you were drinking those sambucas yesterday, what yeah. were your thoughts? Were you thinking it was good at that point, or was it kind of? Oh, I definitely sense? didn't think the sambuca was was <laughs> was good, and I didn't think it was good today either. Um, I don't know. I, there was something about that Newcastle game that I felt very very special because I think maybe that was the the first time. That I felt like, right, this is there's something sustainable being built here. We are a mm. really, really good team. Unai Emery is the is the real deal. So I've kind of carried on that feeling of him and the team ever since. But a six one against Brighton, a team that everyone raves about, it has to be up there, doesn't it? David Styles is saying Newcastle just shades it. But for him, I, I, it's really, really tight. It seems weird to like not be talking about six mm. one as being the best performance under Emery, but there was just something really, really special about that Newcastle game, I think. Mm. I wasn't in the ground for, for the Newcastle game, so I, I couldn't get a sense of, of what Villa Park was like that day. But if you're looking at it now, you you look at Brighton, you think, you know, after Man City, they're probably the most tactically astute, the most assured side, aren't mm. they? One of them in Europe. Everyone loves the way they play, you know, how they set up. And for Villa to do what they did um, and put in a performance like that after having a good start to the season but being nowhere near their best and making it click all of a sudden and, and dominating, you know, tactically dominate Emery dominated the Zerbi, all the players winning their duels. I think it was a huge statement. And if you're looking at, you know, the other top four, top five hopefuls, you know, your Tottenham's, Liverpool's, uh, even Chelsea, if, if they get their acts together, you, you, you look at that and think... Villa are serious here and they're getting better and better. You've got players coming back from injury. You've got Emery, you know, settling some players into the squad still. Uh, it, it's a it's a huge, huge statement. And Emery always said, as in, in the last couple of defeats, that he's been trying certain things, trialling a, a few a few things. But 
this was the third game that they've been unchanged in. Obviously, Jacob Ramsey might come in now, but it just feels like something's building and they're really gathering momentum. And they're starting from a point where they're fifth. So, you know, the upward trajectory is really, really promising. It feels like the kind of win that will really give the players an awful lot of mm. lot of confidence to, to kick on. Now you have three Premier League wins in a row and 10 home wins in a row in the Premier League. That is that is not easily done. Not many teams will, will be able to achieve a run like that. So again... Unai Emery, he is just a, a joke how good he is. Only nine teams have done it in 30 years. Is that all it is? Yeah, nine teams. And obviously, Man City obviously just do it every, every single week, really, it seems like. But what yeah, what Emery's created there at, at Villa Park and it is, is remarkable. And you think, if they can just improve their way form, just, just a fraction, yeah. then you think the, the promise and of where they could finish is, is, is remarkable, isn't it? Yeah, the games are coming thick and fast at the moment. You're right about the the hoodoo of midweek. They do need to, they do, they do need to sort that. Out. I used to think of Villa. Yes, Villa Park under the lights, absolutely great. Now I think, oh no, Villa Park. Oh, under a lot of time kick off. Yeah, turn the floodlights on. Let's let, let's do some daytime games. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens on on Thursday. But that does us for our chat around Aston Villa six, Brighton one. Thanks ever so much to Jacob for carrying me through this evening and joining me on the show and thanks to Lee for producing as well thanks to everyone that's watched live and those that will go on and watch as well if you're listening well wherever you're listening or watching if you could please give us a like we hit the 300 likes target that I set last time because we've won 6-1 I'm going to set a big likes target of 601 that would be that would be what I what I'd want 601 would be the the likes that I'd like so if you're watching this video and there will be I'd like to think there'll be at least 600 of you who do watch this on, on, on YouTube. So give the video a like, please. Subscribe to the channel with your post notifications on. The channel will be back with something ahead of the Thursday Europe game. And I think Greg and myself, I don't think his partner has given birth yet. But I, need, I need to find out. I could do drop him a text, but Greg and myself will come on and do a show in the week as well. Thanks ever so much for watching and listening up the villa. Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.